0: episode of Get Real with Ralph. I've been very excited about doing this. We are actually excited to bring you several guests today with a different points of view on different things. I decided after watching a lot of great shows on the internet inspired by a lot of people that Southeastern Wisconsin could do something that has a little bit of excitement where we talk about the issues of the day, not just on a global level, but on a local level as well because you're not going to get that when you're, when you're watching some of these uh, some of these bigger shows on, on the internet. And hey, I hope it goes well. But in the meantime, I just want to have a lot of fun with, with great people and, and share that out there uh, with everybody in southeastern Wisconsin and anybody anywhere else that, that's watching and interested in what's going on in our corner of the world. So today, I have with me my very first three guests. I want to introduce them to you. Uh, this is Dave Mariani. He is with a company called Most performance, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, can your kids make it on social media? Do you have a child that wants to be a YouTuber? We're going to talk about that. Uh, we have Kathleen May with us today from MP Consulting. That is a quality consultant firm for the cannabis industry. And we have with a old personal friend, Mr. Patrick E. Moran, former retired teacher, former mayor, former salesperson, former entrepreneur, author, and a man with an opinion on just about everything like or like or hate the opinion always love the man so let's get started um where do we want to go i wish we could play like a little spin the bottle here and somebody goes for you on the spin the pen here all right we're going to talk about cannabis first all right we just happen to have two people that have become experts on both the subjects of medical marijuana the legalization of such and uh, I believe recreational as well. And there's been a lot going on in the news and in Wisconsin, and a lot of movement, a lot of referendums this last time around. Kathleen, what do you think is um, what do you think is happening here under under the earth with uh, the people of Wisconsin? And how do you think this is going to shake out?
1: Okay. Well, I mean, first off, the hemp. Program in Wisconsin became legal back in November of 2017 they rolled out the rules of March in March of 2018 um, the state only had about 90 days to put those rules together so there wasn't a whole lot of guidance for cultivators and processors in the state to really understand what that all meant um, but in any case there was about 350 licenses given out 290 I think were, were cultivation and the rest were processing um, so we have a legal hemp program here in Wisconsin, but there's still a lot of um, misconceptions with that program and sure. what that really means. Um, so we are technically legal, but there are um, hemp from a federal perspective is still illegal.
0: Even it's, hemp it's, without, without TFC? Yes, because
1: hemp is cannabis. Cannabis is hemp and both hemp and marijuana. Okay. Um, the difference between them and the is, law doesn't
0: doesn't specify between the two
1: no um, okay so, so so
0: you can get in trouble for growing non THC hemp in Wisconsin if you if you're not careful and you don't know what you're doing
1: right so okay. the, the only requirement right now under the hemp program as far as testing is to make sure that it's under that legal limit which is an arbitrary 0.3 percent THC sure um now with the passing of the 2018 farm bill that may detach hemp from the controlled substance act which then hemp becomes just another agricultural product just as corn wheat whatever sure but we're not there yet um so those that are in the business right now um they need to be very careful that you know their products that they're because the majority of people are processing hemp into making cbd oil i'm sure we've all heard what's right cbd but if you so if CBD
0: oil is extracted from hemp that is non-THC to begin with, or do they remove the THC from marijuana?
1: So CBD is one of hundreds of, of what they're called cannabinoids in cannabis. Um, CBD and THC are the two most common. CBD is non-psychoactive, THC is the psychoactive. Okay. So um, again, there's that misconception that because CBD Who wouldn't want, want the psychoactive active? part? Well, um, some, some <laughs> ailments I'm do kidding. better with CBD as opposed to THC. I'm sure. Some do better with a combination of the two. Sure. So, again, there's that misconception that because it's CBD and it's non-psychoactive that it's legal, and it's not. Because so you can get CBD from both hemp and marijuana.
0: So, if it comes from hemp, it's legal. If it comes from marijuana, it's not?
1: Again, you fall in that gray area because technically hemp is still illegal from a federal perspective.
0: So if you bring CBD oil into Wisconsin from another state, does it matter which type of CBD oil it is, or are you bringing illegal substance because there's no THC? You're
1: technically violating the
0: controlled substances. Wow. Wow. Pat, what do you think is going to happen with that, both nationally and locally? Do you think that the prevailing attitude uh, among most people is that this is a bunch of bullshit and they should start fixing it?
2: Well, I think that uh, being a baby boomer Sure. and having my introduction to uh, marijuana in Vietnam, mm-hmm. I think it's inevitable Probably that, a
0: good place to be introduced to it. Oh, yeah. Well,
2: sometimes it was a benefit and not a hazard. I'm you, I, I imagine. I think that it's inevitable that it will be legalized eventually. Maybe not in my lifetime. Uh, there are three examples that I can cite where I, I, I see positives. I've talked with a colleague whose daughter had some violent seizures And they just passed a couple of years ago in Wisconsin legislation where you can get the medical marijuana to treat the seizures, which is a positive thing because no other ethical drug would help with this poor little girl's seizures. My mother has glaucoma and uh, it's progressing. And again, here with the medical marijuana, it could be an aid in helping the the, uh, progression of this disease. Sure. And the third thing, which is near and dear to my heart, in addition to my mother's condition, is the treating of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injuries. Now they give you psychotropic drugs and they dumb you down. My son suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, sure, uh, TBI, and now they're experimenting with the medical marijuana, which would be, uh, in my view, better than drugging guys down and doping them out. the sure. with the, uh, the psychotropic drugs.
0: Do you think that the increase in THC in this country as a whole uh, Is going to have a net result of more or do you think it's going to have a uh, net effect of less use of opiates? opioids. I would say
1: less. Okay. Um, Go Go ahead. ahead. No, No, I'm
2: not sure. Uh, People with addictive personalities, I, I don't care if it's alcohol, opioids, and one of the big concerns of law enforcement, and I can appreciate their point of view here, is the progression. I'm not suggesting that there's progression from pot to heroin to uh, other types of opioids. But in my view, uh, if you have an addictive personality, there's a propensity to have this overlap. And I think uh, there is a connection in the nexus there. Well,
1: I think this is where education is, is, is vital when, it, when you're talking about um, medical cannabis in particular, because most people when you start talking about THC they immediately think that you know you get high. You can regulate your dose of THC to to basically be like taking an aspirin. Right. The other thing is, which most people don't understand, and again my background is science, this is part of the reason why I wanted to get into this industry, because there's so much science behind this plant that people don't understand. When I talk about education with regards to the, the use of opioids, the reason that there should be a push to move to cannabis as opposed to um, opioids is that physiologically, we do not have receptors in our body that cannabis attaches to, that opioids do, mm-hmm. that cause us to stop breathing when we take too much of the product. Sure. You will never OD on cannabis. Right. You might be in a coma for a few days if you take a hmm. lot of it, but you're, you, we, our body is not. Uh,
0: don't eat the whole pan uh, of brownies. Exactly. Okay. In fact, exactly. don't even eat a whole brownie. <laughs> I Don't ask me how I know this, but I know somebody <clears throat> who ate a whole brownie in Jamaica and turned out that after the fact, when I asked about why there was such a reaction, the gentleman said that they should have had a half of a half and wait a couple of hours. So for those of you that want to experiment, uh, don't try this at home until you know what you're
1: doing. The rule of thumb is, to, you know, start. Low, go slow. It's, it's, especially with edibles, it's, it's, I would keep that advice. Yeah. Whether it
0: be medi- for medical reasons yeah, sure. or for people out there in Colorado and yeah. California watching us.
2: And what's indicative of what you just said is uh, I've never seen a violent pot smoker, but I've seen a lot of violent drunks. Sure. And when I broke my pelvis, I fell off a ladder up in the Upper Peninsula painting my house and my ribs. Uh, they put me on opioids and i became terribly constipated and i said i can't take these things it just it was convoluted in my system so when i went down to the va because i'm in the va system and i asked the physician i said hey doc could you give me a marijuana patch for the pain for my pelvis yeah and he looked at me and he said marijuana is not clinically tested it's not legal we don't Mm -hmm. give it in doses i said but yet you'll give me these opioids that are more destructive on my body and are causing me physical yeah. harm. Yeah. And that, to me, is supercritical. It is. I,
0: I think there's a huge hypocrisy there. And I think I understand why. And it's because it doesn't really matter. And when it comes to, I'm politically agnostic. It's taking years of my life to get there because I realize that, honestly, the people who are powerful and have money are always going to protect that above all that's always going to happen is that the, it is the nature of man it's been going on since the beginning of mankind mm-hmm. it is in our dna it is part of our survival what you know you can knock it and say they're evil no they're human beings mm-hmm. and that is human nature that when you're powerful you need you want to protect that power because that, that's you is your survival that is your shield against anything else and yeah. so we but Once you're aware of that, you realize everybody has an agenda. And that agenda isn't you. And it's not me. And it's not you. And everything that they're doing that is for your own good is never really for your own good. It's for the benefit of somebody making a profit.
2: You just gave the definition of social Darwinism.
0: Absolutely. And I believe in social Darwinism. I I believe that the fall of man will be will become victims of our own success. I mean, there's just, you can't sustain a lifestyle where you have to do less and less and have more and more forever and you're basically incentivizing people to be less innovative, less intelligent, less hardworking. You, you can't have a society that continues to do that and not have it end badly. And uh, that, that's the human condition, that no matter what happens, if you wiped everybody out and started over again, it's gonna keep happening because our intelligence allows us to do that. And so it's time that we're just, I think, self-aware and take a step back. And we, you go to the subject of you know marijuana. Why? Marijuana can be grown by anybody, anywhere, anytime. There is no way for big tobacco pharmaceutical companies and everybody out there who makes money now to really regulate that. It's easier to grow than tobacco. It is uh, easier to get. And if they make it legal, they can't control and keep a monopoly on that the way they can Um, opiates, the way they can when they put a patent on something and for 10 years nobody else can make it. You can't patent weed. I mean that's
1: there's people trying.
0: Of course there. yeah people trying. will patent a strain or whatever it happens to be, but I mean, you can't patent weed as a whole.
1: I mean and just to piggyback off of something he said that you know that that's always the argument is that there's there's no data or research to, to support the medical use of cannabis and that's that's completely false. There's over twenty-five thousand articles on PubMed.org that you can go to and, and, sure. and read about the the, um, the science behind it. The other just and to piggyback off what you just said is um where I'm coming from, there needs to be some regulation with regards to this plant. It's a plant, right? And it's still a drug. And yeah. It's a drug that's being used for medicinal purposes. Of course. So you can legalize across the board even for adult use, but if you don't have a program to to manage how products are manufactured, you're technically still dealing with a black market kind of yes. scenario because yes. And it's happening now, even in states that are legal. We're over 30 states legal in the, in the United States. And, and, and I'm there's still a, people doing things. And too. i got a
0: clear example of that. You know, I know, you know I'm i a father of six kids, all right, two are adult teens now. And uh, between my kids and all of their friends, I've, I, I hear firsthand stories. And these kids will go and buy a vape pen, and they'll get what looks like CBD oil, but it's THC. They get caught in school. You know the schools aren't actually testing it. They're, and it's not like they're taking a puff and they know the difference in taste. You, uh, they're going to, you know, parents are going to get called. and be like, do you want it or not? If you don't take that pen as a parent, test it yourself. You have no idea what your kid is vaping. And here's the thing. Your kid can get that easier than they can get alcohol. And the reason is anybody who's selling alcohol has been licensed to do so and has too much to freaking lose by selling it to an underage kid. But some gas station owner on the corner who is handing out who knows, making somebody's basement oils under, from under a counter. All right? First of all, the product's not regulated. Second of all, he's not licensed to sell it, so he doesn't give a shit whether he's selling it to a 15-year-old or a 50-year-old. Because either way, he's going to jail if he gets caught. It, there's no difference in, in, in sentencing, really, and if it is, it's not very much, and it's such a small amount, he knows he's not going to in that much trouble anyway, and so you got to worry about our kids getting poisoned, about the adults getting poisoned, and if it was regulated, then these places would, they would crack down on the places, because the people, with the licenses would demand it. You look what's happening
1: in California It mm-hmm. is a legal state. They're, mm-hmm. they're They're looking at product recalls because they're testing. Right. They're failing. Right. So, I mean, and that's a legal state, legal for medicinal and adult use. And it means the and system is working,
0: it's catching stuff right. that on the street's not getting caught.
2: And if we fail to learn our history, we're doomed to repeated prohibition yeah. and the quality of the alcohol they're making in the black market. Absolutely. the adverse, uh, physical impacts that it had on people. So I don't know what it is. we You
0: know, we, we both come from immigrant families oh, who sure. we have family, you know, great grandparents that sure. made moonshine or sure. whatever. I they so.
2: made wine in the basement. You would hide it out in the garage. Yeah. They and were the, uh, they uh, were they the
0: pot smokers yeah. of their day. You know, they really were. And they were politicians and judges and policemen. Oh,
2: and absolutely.
0: Everybody from every cross-section of yeah. life was quietly enjoying their, 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 their beverage, their adult mm-hmm. beverage. Uh, and the people that did it the most quietly and discreetly just went about their day and they didn't really get messed with because right. Society as a whole accepted that alcohol is part of everyday life, even though the law didn't mm-hmm. and I think we're there right now with We're, we're transitioning out from medical to recreational. Mm-hmm. I think in talking about testing got us there. Thank you But I think we're there now with marijuana use. I don't see any difference as an as an adult man Parent, business owner, homeowner, taxpayer, I don't see any difference between you sitting in your home and having a couple of cocktails with friends or mm-hmm. sitting in your home and passing a joint around. There isn't none.
1: I mean, the only reason it's illegal is that it's all horrible. I mean, we, can, we can talk for hours on, on that. Absolutely. Subject, but, but that's the only reason that that um, cannabis is the legal substance for the Controlled Substance Act. Oh, it's absolutely. all politically motivated. Yeah. You know.
0: yeah. and. That's my point. Everybody has an agenda. And what's going to happen, I'm afraid, is that when the demand gets so big that it can't be ignored, then all of the corporations are going to step into the legalization process and manipulate that process to basically keep it completely illegal for anybody. Like right now in Colorado, you can grow your own so many plants. All. I think that's all going to get freaking wiped out. R.G. Reynolds is going to be selling us poisonous marijuana by the time it's over with. I don't I hope you're <laughs> I, I hope I you are wrong. I think, I think the faster we move to legalization, the less us likely to happen. Well but, it's
1: legalization and regulation. It can't, be, right. it can't be one without the other. There
0: can't be one without the other. And and here's the thing. We've got this stupid freaking treaty that NATO belongs to and I think most of the I think most of the um, of uh, of the United Nations
1: mm-hmm.
0: that says that you're not gonna manufacture Schedule One drugs, It's an anti-narcotics provision. Mm-hmm. That basically, if you legalize in your country, you're in violation of that right. treaty. And that is that's what people don't realize. It's like the island nation of Jamaica it has just decriminalized, They can't legalize. And this is a this is a country that would benefit economically in so many ways because they they understand the entire product, mm-hmm. the paper, all, all the other all the other products. They're they're clamoring. Mm -hmm. For this worldwide prohibition and so they don't have to worry about having sanctions against them so that they can create an export product for the world, a quality product. Why are we stopping
2: that? Uh, The thing on your RJ Reynolds, which I disagree with, today I turned on Fox Business News and uh, Philip Morris, they were talking about the possibility of investing in the industry in Canada and there are other tobacco companies doing that. Why? Because of the profit motive. I was down in Florida a couple of years ago with a good friend of mine. I was in the Israeli army with him. And uh, his broker called on a Monday and he said, Herb, I think you should take some of your dough, put it in venture capital and invest in the cannabis industry. So why should I do that? He said, well, the big boys are getting in now. Two years ago, yeah. Microsoft bought a financial company called Kind who owned computer software companies that do the software for the marijuana growers, medical marijuana growers, racial uh-huh. yeah so if the profit and the motivation is there it's going to happen not yeah. to poison people not to squeeze people out not to stop it because the dough the God almighty dollar is there it's going to happen sure it's going to be economically driven yeah
1: pharmaceutical companies are already involved. We already have synthetic drugs on the market. Maranel is one of them. Sure. Now the uh, GW Pharmaceuticals in the UK just came out with Epidiolex. So, I mean, and, and this is part of the reason why we jumped into this industry, you know, back five years ago when we were looking to start our own consulting company. Um, my business partner and I came across an article in American Pharmaceutical Review on microbiology testing of medical cannabis. So, five years ago, probably ten years ago, this, these conversations were already happening. Mm-hmm. People have been coming into the industry behind the scenes for years. So it's 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 not it's not like all of a sudden cannabis is this this. I mean, it is a hot topic right now, and everybody's jumping right. in. People sure. have been jumping in slowly. Mm-hmm. It's just now that that number is is mm-hmm. increasing, and mm-hmm. there's more advocacy, and and there's well, more science. What you
2: just said, there was a, a British pharmaceutical company that was approved by the FDA. For cannabis products Please. that treats uh, no, oh, just, treating, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you uh, you treat athletes, right? Yeah. yeah, Do you think it'd be helpful for athletes when they have injuries? Yeah. But I, I mean, I know. I mean, for some reason, it seems to be the thing that most jocks believe up nowadays. Anyway, they they when I was a kid, they all drank. Yeah. Uh, This generation of kids, these these athletes all smoke hot. It's it's crazy, and they they say that it's for pain. I've heard every excuse in the world. I think it's their 16, to be honest. But uh, after we get past that, they're 16, they want to get high part. Yeah. Do you see a benefit for your athletes?
3: I do. um, In the smoking, no. In the Hmm. inhalation of any type of smoke or vapor, no. No. Okay. Um, A topical or something you ingest. Yes, there's the potential for that, especially in the CBD, and that's what I'm most interested in is the CBD, uh-huh. um, and it's interesting, the research that I've done on it. Um, 20, 30 years ago, the, the CBD used to be higher, and the THC used to be lower in the plant, and have yeah. they've, they've bred these plants in a way where now where the THC is super high, and you're losing the CBD, um, which goes against kind of what I would use for my athletes, especially right. um, my football athletes that have head injuries that are on opioids already. Um, transition them away would be something with more of a CBD, and I've seen it. You can actually <coughs> you can actually get that fresh time, which is a uh, um, up the street here. You can get CBD at, at fresh time. You have to ask for it. If you'll get it out of a, a a lock in a safe, um, but it, you're you're spending a lot and getting a little. So I think it's like a I, I, I would. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think a thousand milligrams for like um, maybe a like hundred milligrams for like sixty dollars, which for as far as dosage um, isn't a lot. So you're you're getting kind of you, you're not it's not economical right now, as far as what what the consumer needs, because some people need a higher dosage of CBD. Sure.
0: Um, and CBD counteracts psychoactive components of THC to a point. So people that want it for the high want the lowest CBD level mm-hmm. possible, correct? Right?
1: Well, the reason that CBD is, is is great for like uh, athletes that are in um, contact sports, it's a neuroprotectant. Um, and the, I don't okay. know if any of you are aware of this, but the United States owned a patent on. Um, Cannabinoids dealing with neuro the neuroprotective properties. Who wants a patent? The US government. Um, wow. Yeah, so look, look into that mm. when you all leave here today. So so there's already research out there. So does that mean uh, the, so
0: that they license that patent out and collect a tax on anybody who wants to use their patent?
1: No, no, it just means that they're holding that, um, I don't want to say hostage, but.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: they, I mean technically they are keeping that, that information. That's pretty
0: cool that, when you your game's ready, you write your own patents. I didn't know that the government could patent its own stuff. It's, yeah.
1: it's been, it's been around, that patent's been around for quite some time, so. But
2: the point you make on ingesting, I agree with you. I think Northwestern University conducted a study about the smoke mm-hmm. and the adverse impacts. Like mm-hmm. when you smoke a cigarette, you're addicted to the nicotine, but it's the burning of the tobacco and the tarsic. The carcinogens, problems. right. And for an athlete, the ingestive types and in the products that you have, but
0: long-term ingestion gets filtered through the liver, like alcohol, where liver. inhaling does not. Yeah. and so I think that either way, you're picking your poison yeah. uh, to a point. And again, would it's, you it's, say that? Would you? I mean, if you long-term use, uh, where do they know of the liver?
1: Well, I mean, the other thing is you have to for vaping, for for example, um, you just need to make sure that you know what what your vape oil is being right. cut with. I mean, if right. it's being cut with propylene glycol, you're going to get popcorn lungs. So you need to be, we as consumers, need to be very educated on what products. And again, so legalization would know, help
0: that so much.
1: There's very legal, I mean, very safe vapes out there. I mean, there's medical
0: yeah.
1: uh, marijuana companies or medical cannabis companies that, sure. are, that are manufacturing and selling to medical patients. I mean, they're certainly not going to take the risk to give a immunosuppressed cancer patient right. A product that essentially going to kill them. There, there's been um, instances in California again where, you know, a cancer patient went and purchased um, their product from a dispensary that was full of mold, mm. and they died not because of their cancer, but Ugh. because of the the contamination of their product. So we as consumers just have to be very educated on what we're purchasing. So uh, there are safe ways to smoke.
0: Are there um, links, do you have access, Can do you have a website that is a link to where people can find more resources on that? I, I mean, can certainly
1: put stuff up on my website, yeah.
0: Okay, sure. I'm going to put a link up to your website on this video and on my channel so that, uh, you know, if you're looking, if, if that's what you're doing and you want to find a safe alternative, uh, you can probably just tell people what states is legal in and where to, where to get it and, and who's making the safe products, correct? I think, right. that, that, I think that's helpful, helpful information for mm-hmm. cool. people. Um yeah, let's move on to something a little more fun. I know we, can talk about <laughs> I know it we couldn't we talk forever. <laughs> so um well, let's talk about something not fun. Let's talk about something cultural first. Um I got this article here. I'm gonna just read a few excerpts from it because it blew me away when I read it and um Who's a fan of Christmas? I love Christmas. You like Christmas? See, got my funny Christmas sweater on. But anyway, baby, it's cold outside, seen as sexist. This is on NPR, frozen out by radio stations. The Me Too era come Yuletide season. Radio stations are pulling the plug on holiday earworm with lyrics that to some ring date rape warning bells rather than evoking innocent snowbound flirtation. The tune, Baby, It's Cold Outside, with words that seemed charming when FDR was in office may land with a tone-deaf thud on the ear of today's listener. I'm not going to go through the whole rest of it, but basically the reason that I think at first a station in Ohio and then one in California, now a couple in Canada, have said that it sounds an awful lot like date rape. She asks what's in this drink, and clearly she's telling him no, and he's not taking no for an answer, and we're not going to participate in this. And the first thing that came to my mind is how many of these people who are revolting this red 50 shades of gray? Hmm. Right.
2: Well, you got a good point there. Hmm.
0: You know, I see hypocrisy, or either that, or people are so sensitive that they're reading into things.
2: So, why is it a First Amendment right, and music and poetry and writings a reflection of the culture, obviously, if you're talking about your existence in um, the hood in Chicago and uh, Englewood, and you're rapping and you're dropping the F bomb and you're talking about drugs or rape or whatever the case might be. Right. But that's the first amendment freedom to express that. It's a generational thing. Sure. Now back pre-war two, world war two and uh, after the war, maybe it's cold outside is another reflection of a first amendment freedom. That should be perfectly okay to reflect yeah. under your constitutional rights and liberties. I mean, the political correctness has gone so amok, Selectively.
0: Yeah. Sure, selectively. Yes. And, I, and I say selectively because I think every, you know, and again, I'm not going to name names, parties, whatever. Everybody's got some agenda somewhere. And I, it, sometimes it takes a lot to figure out. you got to follow the money. And I don't know where the money leads on this, but there's got to be money somewhere. Because there always is. What do you think? I
1: mean, i say being a woman and really giving a perspective.
0: And I feel, don't, please don't feel like here like three lumbering. <laughs> I feel like i got to back up here before no, I, I... I can I, handle I,
1: myself. I'm not so worried so. about you. I'm worried about getting
0: like... Uh, Disgraced by the Me Too movement, you know, ganged up on you or
1: something. No, I I mean, from my perspective in this particular situation, I I mean, I think our society has become way oversensitive, and and it's and I actually feel for men in the society.
0: Well, sure, you have some.
1: well, there, I mean, there's, there's always this, like, fear of, am I going to say the wrong thing? Mm. Is she going to be offended? And I'm, mm. I'm not an easily offended person, so most things roll off of me, and if I don't like what you say, I'm going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I think, I mean, in this situation in particular, I mean, this is taking it to the extreme, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, in no way am I, am I disregarding the Me Too movement or anything. I support that, but this is, if you don't like the song and you're offended by it, turn it off. Don't
2: listen to
0: it. So, yeah, there you go. So, what do you think? Yes or no? Baby, it's cold outside.
3: Uh, I, 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 don't know the song completely. Um, I, I remember some of the lyrics, so I'm trying to go in
0: my head and get go, <laughs> go back. Oh yeah, everybody I mean, has a different no. version. <laughs> so many versions yeah, it. Let's Let's, 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 it. let's uh, check it out. Let's find it. Hey, <laughs> let's. That's not let the song. Well, yeah, for I, yourself. I try to. Yeah, I
3: try to keep opinions limited unless I know exactly what's going
0: on. Now, for all of you at home, we can't actually play the segment for you because we don't want to violate copyright. So you're just a little skipping around, and then we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what everybody thinks afterwards. It goes on and on and on and on. So that's you get uh you get it you get the uh the, the classic, classic chase <laughs> classic chase. Now I read up on this yesterday because I knew I so I have an unfair advantage over you so uh, don't feel like an ambush but the composer's daughter first of all she blamed Bill Cosby for this I okay. which I you know I kind of chuckled. Hey, hey hey, it's all your fault um but she said that her father wrote it as a jingle for him and her mother to sing together at cocktail parties he was a oh. Broadway composer the second part of that is I actually think this was a song of rebellion of its generation. This was the smells like teen spirit of its generation. Mm-hmm. Because back then it was not proper for a girl to be alone with a boy in a room with nobody else there, even at 22 if she was unmarried. Mm-hmm. That was the culture of the day. And if a girl was going to have some shenanigans with a boy she wasn't married to, she better at least put up a front that she was very hard to get. And all of that. So if you didn't play hard to get, you're going to be slut shamed in that in that day and era. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So you still are. You still are. <laughs> but no, it's better. I mean, I mean, I wanted to just come right out now and say I'm horny and I'm looking for a guy. And <laughs> yes, old people have a problem with it, but their own peers won't think that's disgusting anymore. You know, it's no more disgusting than than a guy saying it. And if you find it revolting for a guy, you find it just revolting for a woman. You know, if if you're a person of you know of, of tighter morals and faith, but in general, I don't think there's as big of a discrepancy among our peers and younger about behavior. I could be wrong. I mean, there are some guys that are just egotistical assholes who think that, that they, there's a different set of standards, but I think the majority of people don't feel that way. But in that point, in, in, in that day and age, you had to play hard to get, which meant if you were a guy, you better know how to get past that hard to get, or you weren't even going to get kissed. And uh, that was the other thing is, you know, making out on the couch was a big deal back then. I imagine that was probably his goal when you're listening to it and you think about, like, the Buffalo Gals uh, scene and it's wonderful. Maybe we should ban that because, after all, Jimmy Stewart took advantage of her when she was naked in the bushes. I mean, is that next? Seriously, I can see the banning of that because it was a comedy bit. You know, people have no sense of humor anymore. I mean, if, if, can you imagine, God forbid, your 21-year-old son did what Jimmy Stewart did, and he's a wonderful life to somebody's 18-year-old daughter just graduated from high school? Mm-hmm. She ran, he stepped on the road, she's naked in the bushes, and he sees
2: it as an opportunity,
0: right? Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, he would never be able to be Supreme Court justice.
2: <laughs> One of the greatest things I remember back growing up in the 50s and 60s, I'm dating myself, is uh, a mortal sin, thought, word, and deed. So if you think about a girl and it's uh, a sexual thought, you're committing a mortal sin. Sure. Word, if you talk about it, you're committing a mortal sin. And then when you commit the act, that's three mortal sins. And this sense of guilt. So is that like a three
0: strikes and you're and your life in prison? Well, now? then
2: you have to go to confession and confess to a priest to be absolved of these sins. So, you know, if you check out that night, you don't go to hell. So, I mean, a, so, so that, that,
0: that go all goes back to human condition and convention
2: in China. in the sense of guilt. Now, it's a biological want and need and a desire. It's propagation of the race. And some guys cross the line, and I understand that. But yet, it's something that we're driven by. Sure. Now, there has to be protocol. But, I mean, it goes to such extremes where women can be victimized. But then today, I'd hate to be a guy dating, based on what motivated me because you don't know what signals, when the woman gives you a signal, do you open the door, uh, do I kiss her, do I dare touch her arm or her hand? When I taught, I remember some of the double standards at the school for these types of sexual harassment or uh, uh, touching a girl or something like that would be adolescence kid stuff, and you take them into the office and you resolve the issue with the principal and the parent. Sure. It's an absurdity today. Yeah, yeah.
1: and. Uh, <laughs> a
0: yeah. suit society. Everybody wants to. What do we? What do we? Of- what do we teach our daughters in this day and age? So I mean, what is what is? Appropriate? How do you? I, because I think now we're raising. You know, I yeah. have. Yeah, I have older kids. I have younger <coughs> kids. Yeah. How do I raise my son to be a gentleman by today's standards? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. No. How do I raise my daughter to be a lady by today's standards? Yeah. But in addition to today's standards, still within the bounds of what what our morality is in our household. And, and that's the other thing: are people trying to peek in on everybody else's morality? Not too
2: much. Well, you've got it's the both ways. Parties, both yeah, ways. And they have people that think they can socially socially engineer utopia, share a perfect society because they are the chosen ones. They are the elites. It's like 1984 in Orwell. They want to control every aspect of your life. Now, with my boys, I have two boys and two no, girls. No, you, you have the
0: opposite. You have the Puritan thought process, oh, which yeah. is almost, it's, it's like the equal equivalent, or it's the, like, you know, this is a plus five, this is a minus yeah, five. With
2: it's, my, it's, yeah, with it's my same sons, thing. it's like attack the hill. I understand that. I love that, you know. But with my daughters, you want to make sure that you know nobody's going to violate their sanctity. Right. And my poor youngest daughter was sort of... Uh, Uh, protected on the one hand because they were so fearful, these guys, to date her because of her brothers, one in particular. So she really had to, uh, not like a convent or, you know, not being stowed away, but guys were reluctant to come because of protection of the brothers. But I taught her to have claws and teeth and stand up and think for herself. And I said, don't let the guy, you know. Get over on you. I mean, just draw the line. It's up to you. You've got a free will. You make the choice. You know what's right and wrong. And you can't protect your kids from everything and put them in a bubble. No.
1: Yeah. I, I have a 20 year old son and a 16 year old daughter. And I mean, and I just actually had this conversation with some of my mom and friends uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, it's very difficult nowadays to, to raise teenagers. Um, and, and you know, kind of what you said, Ralph is I. You know, I raised my son to be respectful and polite and hold doors and. And then raising my daughter to not take any crap from—I mean, it's very difficult to yeah. find that balance mm-hmm. Of, of, mm-hmm. of, you know, but also teaching my daughter that you, you too, need to be respectful. It's, it's a two-way street. You can't get into a relationship and treat a guy like total crap and mm-hmm. and expect that respect back. It doesn't work that way. So. It's, it's, it's very challenging to, to raise, oh, no. I mean, it's always challenging sure. to raise children, but I just feel with, especially with social media nowadays too, mm-hmm. it makes it even more difficult, because nothing ends. Like, I had an issue with my daughter, this was a few years ago, and had to, mm-hmm. you know, take her phone away, and, and not even just um, from the social media aspect, just the whole texting thing, is they go to school, they get into an argument, or they have a, they have an issue, it never stops. You you come home and it continues. So so you have access to that social media or that texting. So I had to cut her off from that just to just to remove her from from that situation. So I think social media makes it even more difficult. Sure. To to really you know find that balance. God, if they would have
0: had social media when I was a teenager, I they didn't probably <laughs> would have about a year left on my sanity. <laughs> I'd be mean, getting out next year. Uh, I'm exaggerating, but holy cow.
2: Yeah. I Andy, mean, Andy Warhol, your 15 minutes of fame, social media. Oh, I mean, the way it affects your thumbs up, thumbs down. And yep. everybody knows your story. It's so, so
0: social media can destroy your life
2: a in a movie. moment.
0: Yeah, But, David, it can, be very can social media make your life nice in a exactly. I know. <laughs> can social media make your life in a
3: moment? It's just like almost anything else the positive look at the negatives. It's easier to focus on the negatives than it is the positives, uh, especially when you're talking about social media. Uh, it's harder to get behind somebody and root for them than to, you know, to scowl you know, at what they're doing and, and kind of belittle it. Um, but yeah, social media it, it is a uh, there's a lot of people
0: building their platforms, and it's not just the young generation, it's all no, the, 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 the average age <laughs> of the YouTube user and the Facebook user yeah. is consistently increasing, and you know. To to what you said about texting and taking it away and social media making things worse—that is true. But social media is here, mm-hmm. absolutely here to stay, whether we like it or not. Um, you know, that's why I started following this guy. That's why we're actually here today because I started realizing people want good social media video content, and there's actually a, a vacuum of. It. Good content, and that's the, the thing. Is when, when a new technology comes out in the beginning, you're go, you're always going to have more, I would say, bad uses than good uses
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: until until people embrace it. Mm-hmm. The first people to embrace any new technology always seem to be the people that are a little more so on the fringes of society.
2: But well, what you said was but, uh, so true about the negative versus the positive. But the
0: positive, it can shape your life.
2: It can, yeah. But people have the propensity in politics to vote against something and not for it. Oh, I'm not talking about pop Well, I'm talking about everything, and it includes social media. Sure. So you have the propensity, the sin of envy, the deadliest of the seven deadly sins, Cain and Abel. You want to thrive on the negative. You like to see the other guy drawn down. You have to teach your kid. Honestly,
0: this is one thing that you have to teach your kids now that you didn't have to teach them as much before. It was important to be popular in the 80s, and it was cool, and it was glorified. You look at shows like Greece. You have to tell. You have to teach your kid to not give a flying fuck what anybody thinks about that now. No,
1: it's and
0: true. and keep putting it out there. Keep putting it out there. Keep putting it out there. Oh, this is not FCC compliant. We're on the internet. Yeah. No. It's awesome. But We're they, on social media. can't
2: that. It
0: is really fucking cold outside. You have got to That's teach not. your kids that early on to keep putting themselves out there and and don't worry about the no's and eventually they'll they'll they'll, get, they'll collect the yeses. And once, once the no's realize they have zero effect on you, the trolls, they tend to go <laughs> away after a while. Now, we're going to talk about a local kid. And uh, th- this kid's become a phenom. And uh, one of the reasons of the way I became acquainted with you is uh, through your uh, relationship with Tristan Jass. And uh, for, if you don't know who he is, he's become somewhat of a local legend. Because the whole myth that you kids keep telling you, or you think it's a myth that I'm going to be a YouTuber for a living actually came true for him. Hmm. And I coached this kid. I was an assistant coach on the Pee Wee Steelers for the um, boys and girls club. When he was playing with my sons, uh, shout out to John Lynn. I know you're out there I'd see you could have been here today too. Um, John Lynn was, was uh, Tristan's coach. I was an assistant coach on that team. My boys were playing, and I remember, never. I remember this hit he put on another kid. <laughs> that he he hit that kid so hard that his grandma popped up in her grave. I mean, it was, boom. You heard it from across the field, and I was like, holy shit! I mean, just laid this kid out. Kid went. I felt bad for the kid, but I had to respect for that hit. It was unbelievable. And he played like that week after week after week, and it was the Tristan and Frankie show. There was another kid on that same team, Frank Garcia, and the two of them probably could have played with tackle dummies for the rest of the line and won every game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, man, this kid is going to be a going to be a football player. So I thought, hey, he's gonna, This kid's going to be in the freaking NFL. Freak of nature. And uh, I remember telling his dad because his dad Jeff helped coach too. We were all we all got to be good friends. It was a great time. Yeah, uh, and I said, "Man, your kid should wrestle." I mean, he, because my kid's wrestling. No, no, he wants to play basketball. I'm like short, little white kid, basketball, right? I mean, come on. Well, he's sprouted. He his his uh, playing ability sprouted. Uh, he was looked at by a lot of schools mm-hmm. and chose not to. Mm because of the whole NCAA ban on monetizing your YouTube channel and capitalizing on the fact you're a college athlete. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to give up the income, yeah. am I right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So yes, the, the, the only people that can't monetize in college are, are athletes, musicians sure, right? can monetize YouTube, uh, artists can monetize YouTube.
0: Faculty your, can monetize, a coach can monetize. So very, you know, I, I can't believe there isn't a big uh, antitrust class action mm-hmm. lawsuit against NCAA. Yeah, that's, that's prevailing because it is, what they're doing to these athletes is complete bullshit. Now we have a kid who, honestly, I think he should be in college. Yeah. But if you have to pick between the two, it's very difficult because next year, as a freshman, he could break his leg right. and not have the income that he's getting now mm-hmm. because his status will just evaporate. Right. So I completely understand the decision. But my point is that he should be able to go to school. Hmm. He earned that reputation. He created the views. He's done it. Now, how does this happen, right? In a minute, you don't know what goes viral, what doesn't. This kid went viral by playing basketball with one of his teachers. And uh, you heard the move, the sham god? Anyway, watch this. I'm going to have you guys check this out. And I want you to see the instant that this kid became famous because I think it is just one of the coolest things ever. So I
1: got this thing. Let me try to share it right? So that's the moment that
0: he went from just another kid making videos to a sensation. There's a YouTube version of it as well. Um, what happened after that? Yeah,
3: so that that happened. Uh, he posted it on his Instagram, and I think uh, the next morning he woke up and everybody was in his uh, his messages, his direct messages. ESPN, bleach Report, House Highlights, everybody asking for permission to use their uh, use that video on their platforms. I think that was SB Nation was the group, what we were looking at. So everybody uh wow. was trying to grab that um and then from there uh it was really on him to start to build off that platform had it just been that one video uh and then he kind of sit back it wouldn't it, he wouldn't be where he is today uh he used that to capitalize and uh um actually his, his little brother brennan uh, who was also another brilliant kid was the one that kind of said hey you know let's push this youtube let's push this youtube you know let's you you have the platform people are looking at what you're yeah. doing now let's build the youtube and, and then he started to build the youtube and um, it, it's just taken off so fast. I don't know it's ever happened this fast for any of these YouTubers. He, his his rise has been um, unprecedented.
0: In it's, in it's eighteen been, months, yeah. he has went from nobody knew who he was to texting Drake. You know that's a cultural well, yeah. icon and be friends with people like
3: that. You know we were out in LA for twenty six days and, and and we collabed with people, met with people, and it was uh, you can definitely tell people are, are are trying to get his attention now because. Um, They can run ads on YouTube. So that's how they make their money is they make their money off AdSense and uh, um, How many views you have it it increases how much you make so um, I think he's at three hundred and thirty thousand subscribers right now, which isn't a lot But he's growing at a faster rate than anybody else if you look at his Instagram his Instagram views per, per likes is also one of the highest which is goes back to what we were talking about before is it's, it's hard to focus on the positive. So what you're seeing is people are focusing on, on his positive because not only is he getting the, the million views per Instagram post, but he's also getting a couple hundred thousand likes, which you don't see that often. Wow. Um, and, and, and he's a great kid. You know, he, he's... How old is he? He's 18. 18. He'll, be
0: 19, wow. uh, he'll be 19 Sunday.
2: Hmm.
0: And he's... If he plays his cards right, he can set himself up for the rest of his life, and that's you know that's the thing. At eighteen, do you have the discipline to do that? But it wasn't. There was a little luck involved. There's always luck involved. But what happened afterwards was an intense work ethic, and I think that that's the part that people don't get about social media and these kids that are making it. The the difference between the people that are making it and the people that aren't making it is is work ethic, just like anything else. And I think that a lot of a lot of people, even my age, 40s, 50s, and on, who haven't really spent a lot of time and don't get it, really don't get it. All right. Generation X on, on uh, up.
2: I was a Downey Thomas. We talked about that the last time I was here. And then yeah. the other day on the news, they talked about the top earners on YouTube. There's mm-hmm. some kid, he's 12 years old, he's pulling out $22 million, the top earner. Yeah. It's $22 million. Yes. Reviewing toys. Yes. Reviewing, yeah. toys. Yeah. Reviewing toys. Reviewing yeah. toys. This is real.
0: And there are, there are a lot of people now, you know, we're hearing about the top two, 3%. Yeah. There are legions of people making a forty fifty 50, dollars a year income, making the same money that you or I would probably make at your average job. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And they are treating their production as their job. So they do have a job and they're putting probably the same amount of time into it and they're working. And they're getting a paycheck for that work, but that work is a production of content. Hmm. Now there's a lot of national podcasts that are talking about this, but I think that, you know, we're in the Midwest when we're in this little bubble where it takes us a little longer to see what's going on, which I always tell people is fantastic because we have a crystal ball if we just look outside our own damn bubble. And so many times that doesn't happen. But when I reach outside our bubble, and this last year has been a uh, epiphany for me. I, you know, I had this waking experience when uh, I um, switched companies in, in my real estate profession and started collaborating, you talk about collaborating, and meeting with people in other markets, and it got introduced to ideas that then led me to finding people outside the real estate industry, which led me to this, this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I, is a very popular guy, but I didn't very, he's famous. I didn't even know who he was six months ago. That's how, that's how it is right now. You can be famous, and there's people that have never heard of you. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the, in the 1950s, if you're famous, you're famous for everybody, mm-hmm. right? If you're Elvis Presley, everybody knew who you were. Right. Our, our society is way more fragmented and the earth is flat because of social media. So you can be famous to a million people and nobody else has heard of you and making a great living on it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this is, is, he's famous, but we're thinking of famous like old Hollywood controls who's famous, famous. That's not the case anymore. What, what youtube has done is they've created and most people are watching youtube on this right here oh, yeah. okay right. they're watching it on their television set all right they're not on computers anymore uh this guy talks on this book and i read this book and if you haven't read it and i am promoting somebody else's thing here and i'm not getting paid for it that's not what it is this book here changed really changed my thinking if you're producing by 2020 80 percent of all content being produced Uh, On the internet or being consumed on the internet is in the video because people are using their phones and using their TVs, they don't want a picture and words anymore. They want instant gratification, they want the information, and the endorphin rush of watching a video is different than reading. And so it's going that way. And if you can consistently produce good content, you can make a living. You can take little microcosms of society where you become an influencer in that microcosm, and people are paying you know, $1,000 for an average level influencer in Chicago to like hold the t-shirt up for their restaurant. I mean, little things, yeah. little things like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's what was going on with Tristan. And, uh, you talk about collabs, uh, which is short for collaborations. And that is when somebody who is immensely popular partners up with somebody who's not popular yet, but they like them <laughs> or somebody who is immensely popular, maybe in a different genre or maybe someone immensely popular in the same genre, but they want to borrow from each other's audiences. And they do these projects and cross-promote each other's projects on the internet so that it, it actually benefits the both of them. Mm-hmm. But if one is bigger than the other, then normally the other one is paying a fee for that. Mm-hmm. But then that's one layer. That's, that's the layer of influencers climbing the influencer ladder with other influencers. But then there's brand influencing. And what brand influencing is, is when Pepsi says, hey dude, hold a Pepsi can on my shell. And we're on your show, and we'll pay you, you know, five hundred dollars because you have an audience of six thousand people. You know, they they they're starting to calculate. These big brands are starting to calculate what the value of influencer is, and influencer marketing is is growing at a phenomenal pace to the point that this guy right here had a little mom and pop wine shop, which an eighty million dollar a year business. I still know who the, the guy was, and then we started a production company, is or a media company, is training. Brands on how to work with influencers and influencers how to work with brands, and I, I thought that it was amazing. So I have this food show that I do, Two Six Two Eats. It's local, and I did a, a short collab project with Tristan when he was in town. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna look at that and we're gonna talk about that w- when it's done and uh, tell us what you think. Yeah, you ready? We're starting. You right? You want to get it's hot, right? All right, 25. twenty 25 bar move. This is actually really spicy, bro. Oh, I,
3: believe
0: it. I don't even know how to eat this. It's spicy. It's really spicy. I'm a really white person, and everything is so spicy to me. This is bad. Good. So, I mean, he's got a lot of personality. He does, and he's got a personality And yeah. this, like, he kind of reminds me of uh, Owen Wilson, but, like, at 18. You know, where he's, he's got that. Sure
2: he good, uh,
0: Yeah, and then he's got some mad skills on the basketball court, too. You know, when I asked him, could I score even one basket against you, if you ate the whole thing and I didn't, he said, nope. He lied. it's <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I suck at basketball. That's why I wrestled. Um, but even if I was, he's just—he's an animal. Yeah, he's top level. And I, I wish we would see him compete. Mm-hmm. That's the—the you know, the only thing is, I think that he, all that he's doing with with his video production, and all that is great. Mm-hmm. It, it's cool, and I'd love to see. I'd love to see that somebody just saw an opening and just punch through it and die out
2: to school right no no not at all not academically or anything well that's a shame
3: yeah that's the it <laughs> that seems to be the divide so there's the divide between the people that want them to go to school sure um and i'm kind of on the other side of that i i don't think schools are his best interest at this point um because of like we talked about the if he does get injured that's going to hurt his platform. Oh, sure he, sure. he can't keep the money coming in from YouTube if he goes to college. Right. Um,
1: Why? I guess I'm confused. the NCAA will no, not. What if he goes into college and doesn't play? What if he could, goes to college to get an education yeah, he and could, continues he could, to do stuff? Yeah, what he's doing
3: <laughs> he could do that. I mean, or he could you know he could start to set he could start to set up his own you know education courses on how to manage your social right.
0: media. Is, is, is college is college overvalued right now though?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Amateur athletes,
0: true. Uh, I think forward. overall, and this is being talked about yeah. too, that the, the student the student loan uh, crisis is oh. going to be the next yeah. financial meltdown, right. and yeah. the experts are talking about it. And I think that you you know what? I, I think this bullshit that we're telling our kids, you all have to go to college. Oh, you you know, know, my my wife teaches at a school where. That they're trying to make kids college ready who have no desire, and they're skipping the fact that there's this whole middle ground of be a good person, learn how to be self-sufficient, know how to balance your bank account in this day and age, um, get a trade. You know, they're not talking uh, about hypocrisy
2: is the millions of dollars that these athletes bring into the colleges, especially as you know, division one and the college is making out mm-hmm. sabins making seven million dollars yeah. a year but these athletes that are bringing the dough in get nothing that is hypocrisy
3: and it's not it's not really <laughs> nothing you know it's a they're dealing with highest levels of stress that we've ever seen so not only the highest levels of stress on the court mm. but the highest levels of stress from having social media which we, we, we we're just realizing now um and they're not big, they're not the, the colleges the institutions are not finding ways to take care of this. You might be lucky to find a sports psychologist on some of these um, college teams. They don't have somebody to talk to. They don't have a uh, nutritionist, most of them. A lot of them are just kind of a And these athletes are, you can see it, the stress is, it, it, is building on them, and that's kind of- Yeah, they're, they're not work. working in the best interest of the athletes. They're, right. they're,
0: they're, they're, they're running a for-profit, nonprofit, profit and, and you, that means that they want to keep their expenses as low as possible. Yeah. So after paying these kids nothing, okay? Which I think is still okay. It's it's you're still an amateur, you're a student, athlete. They're paying them nothing. I get that. But they're gaming every system out there. Okay. Title Nine gets game. They cut boys' sports as opposed to adding women's sports. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, this system gets gamed. They don't pay them, and they don't even allow them to make money on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the scope of things you're allowed to do to make a living or make money as a student athlete are mm-hmm. very narrow. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't agree with paying athletes, but you know what? If an athlete can get an endorsement on his own, as long as you're not wearing – hey, you know what? If you put on University of Wisconsin, now you're wearing licensed gear. We can't have that. But you're Tristan Jazz, and you're the person – who was already a person before you went to Wisconsin will continue to be a person afterwards. Who has a personality and talent, and you can't you can't use that personality and talent to have people pay you for their influence.
2: Right. That's it's a bunch. Of, it's a lot of crap. It is it is hmm. it's. Well, Jordan so, Spieth as an amateur couldn't cash in. Right. How how you know, many college athletes damage?
0: break their leg, tear something? Yeah. Two years in, never make it, and that's that's yeah. the truth. Yeah. They they gave up their opportunity to do anything else in life because they got sold this little bullshit yeah. by the NCAA that this right. is the farm system to the pros. Okay. They give them nothing. They really didn't educate them because they cheated their way through education for the students so that right. the program can win. And now two years later, the kid is dumb, injured, oh, no. and bankrupt. No. And I don't mean that that the kid is dumb because it's by you know his all his own design. He's been sold a line of bullshit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and nobody's talking about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I, I think it's time, and Tristan has opened up, and that he's part of a bigger discussion, I think, on that subject. Yeah, and that's because as gonna, a parent, you're like, I want you to go to school, damn it, because that's what we've been talking And about.
2: that's one of the um, uh, fallacies that we teach kids that, uh, how many uh, Trey Wayneses and uh, uh, Melvin, Melvin Gordons or Nicky uh, Van Exels are going to get in Kenosha? Now it's not going to be your automatic ticket to stardom and money and the academics. And this is where I think that we or It doesn't have to be college. I mean, they're vocational and technical and other types of things that kids could really uh, cash in on. And um, it's a big injustice. And $1.5 trillion in outstanding loans for college students, because we're trying to encourage kids to go to college.
0: And what's happened, the more student loans are available, what's happening with the price of tuitions.
2: It's going up. And it's not
0: because it's costing the colleges more. It's because their profit margins are rising because they're selling a brand. And you know, the brand Michigan, the brand Ohio State, these are people are getting a brand name education for the same reason they drive a brand name car. And they're not getting a better quality education proportionately to the difference they're paying. It might be, okay, you might get a better education at Michigan than you get at UW Parkside, but you're not getting. 15 times the education. And you might not. But you, you might, might not. not, you not. You it's might the not individual. And I, I'm, saying I'm saying you may.
2: The program. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I'm saying you may. At the University of Parkside, I know I'm going to have the professor in my class with the lecture and teaching. Yes. And I'm going to yeah, stay at a big university where I'm not really getting the bang for my buck. They have right. a reputation. Sure. And Michigan's a great school academically, the best in the Big Ten. But yet, sometimes at a smaller school like Parkside or Carthage, I think the quality of the education, or Gateway, the quality yeah. of education is very good. We've been blessed right? living in a town with these three. The kids.
0: only thing you're getting at a bigger college well, than a know. smaller college, I think, is you're part of a different country club. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know well, it it's, network- for you. it's networking, yeah, it's, yeah, it's career-wise, yeah. yeah.
1: And not every student or not every kid does well in those larger no, universities. Yeah. Some people, I, I mean, I can speak from experiences. I, like, I went to a parochial school my entire life, mm-hmm. so the thought of going to a huge university to scare the crap out of me, so I stayed local and I, mm-hmm. my classes were small. I mean, my son goes to Parkside and he wants to be a doctor, and I think it's like Parkside has about a 95 um, yeah, percent good acceptance yeah. rate into medical school. Yeah. So sure. he's he's in a he's in a good place and sure. saving a lot of money. Driving me crazy, but he's saving yeah. saving a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, the,
0: the, the quality is there. They're, you know, they, they keep talking about the student loan crisis and all these poor kids. You know, here's the other thing: enlistments in the military is that
2: well, they're having a hard
0: time. A very a low.
2: Yeah.
0: you go to college for free when you're done. No one talks about well, when they start talking about these poor students. They don't have a chance. Yes, you do. You don't have to necessarily go straight to college. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't. And I I think that that's being undervalued right now as well as as an option. And there's, there's just the trade, the trades are undervalued as an option. There are so many other career paths or life paths that provide you a a lifetime of stability and, and, and abundance. If you're to accept that instead of always chasing the myth of more I have to mm-hmm. go to the better school, I have to drive the better car, I have to have a better watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's yeah. all crap. For the
2: four years I invested in the Marine Corps in two bullet holes, I got my undergraduate, I got my graduate degree, I got a subsidized house with the uh, with the GI loan. Yeah. I got the free medical care. And I mean there's just such numerous benefits that have been reaped upon me through that four year investment of my life.
0: Well, I, I think that we're uh, I think we're going to see a change in the culture. I think there's going to be a shift away from it being everything to everybody. Yeah. And I, I hope the education system catches up. They have a hard time catching up with the times yeah. because we're not serving our kids right no, by telling all of them that that's your only option in life. No. So here's what happens. You don't know all that middle ground is there and you feel like you can't reach that. It's unattainable. And so you just accept your lot in life, that your mm-hmm. life is just going to suck. And... That's got to change. There's got to be a lot more focus on look at all these other spots right. in that in, in society that you can fit in, live a productive mm-hmm. life, and be happy.
2: And this uh, gateway, with I dignity. I can't say enough about it now with this uh, Foxconn and the programs they're setting up to help kids have a gainful employment. Mm-hmm. X-ray tick, my daughter started uh, through the gateway program taking x-rays. Now she's got her master's in nursing from Marquette. But that gateway gave her the opportunity for an entry level to get the experience in the medical field that spurred her on to bigger and better things. Yeah. I can't say enough about Gateway Technical College. And that's right.
3: where people are lacking, is the experience. Oh, absolutely. The schooling is sometimes there. Oh, sure. And the degrees and, and what goes next to your name is there. Yeah. But sometimes the experience isn't there. Yeah. you need that experience. Well, well you run into this
1: too. Like, I mean, I've been in positions where I've had to hire people for positions. And there's, you know, companies make this requirement that you have to have a degree. Or, or even um,
2: promoting within. You could mm-hmm.
1: have people that have been working for a company for 20 years that never went to college. They're going to pass them over because they don't have a degree and hire someone fresh out of college. I always push back on them. Like I want the person that has the experience. Right. I mean, because yeah, I this person nice. yeah. hiring an engineer right out of college to th- throw them into this huge project, mm-hmm. you're going to fail. Sure. I want that person that's been working with the company and understands it. Granted, they're, oh, they're sure. an engineer without a degree, yeah. but they're going to be more um, valuable to that position and that project than oh, the kid sure. right, out of, right oh, out of school. So companies are, are setting that precedent, which is not always not always the best approach either. It's not
0: the best interest of the company, even. No. And I think a hiring manager is really, you know, when I'm looking at, hiring choice, even in my company, that's not the, I'm not looking for the pedigree anymore. I'm looking for what's underneath that because Mm. these pedigrees are all, they're they're all fake. And so the process, the hiring process takes longer, but show me somebody who's just got balls and ambition Mm. and you can call it whatever you want for women, same thing. I'm not, you know, show me someone with guts and ambition and I'll take that any day over a better pedigree on piece paper. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're probably just about out of time. So many more subjects we can hit on, but uh, we're going to have a lot more weeks. And I, I tell you what, this has been fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I can't wait to do this again next week. And I hope that you guys all tune in next week because we're going to get real. Shit's going to get real with Ralph every single week right here on our YouTube channel. If you're watching this somewhere else, follow the link below. Get to our YouTube channel. Make sure that you're liking us on whatever platform you see us on. Make sure you're subscribing to our channel if you came to us somewhere else. And please comment. Tell us how you feel. We're going to have experts in here from all different areas. uh, And uh, we want your feedback. We want to know what do you want to know about the area that you you live in? What do you want to know about the country you live in? What do you want to know about what's going on in today's day and age that we can kind of dive in and have a discussion. Let's do this every week. Thank you
1: for tuning in to Get Real with Ralph.